the serious topic of the Vatican and Islam and the present conflict and war that is just coming to an end in Iraq. The Roman Church is concerned with external visible unity and in that external visible unity is her desire to draw onto herself the religion of Islam. The last few years and particularly April and March of this year 2003 have shown just how deeply involved she is with the religion of Islam and what a stand she has taken against the United States of America and the United Kingdom because they dare interfere with her wooing and her romance that she has with Islam. Rome sees herself as the, the mother and the lawmaker that is to bring all together in a one-world religion or a one-world confraternity of religion in which, of course, she will dictate what is to be done. She declares this in her Vatican II documents, for example, when she says, quotation, the encouragement of unity is in harmony with the deepest nature of the Catholic mission. We have on a deeply emotional and spiritual level the Vatican's use of whom they call Mary to be the unity or center piece to make unity between themselves and Islam. The present Pope has recently said in a piece called Love of Mary Shared by East and West, the pontiff said, quotation, let us trust to Mary's intercession the ecumenical journey to which Christians are committed and which was given a decisive impetus by the Second Vatican Council. Let us turn to the past beneath the gaze of our common mother and in the light of the saints. It will be easier to build a future of holiness and with it a future of unity. But today, more than ever, it is necessary to look ahead. May Mary, most holy, model of the church, and the living icon of her mystery, guide and sustain our steps. End of quotation. Quite common to have the pontiff pray to the most holy being in his eyes, Mary. One of the famous cardinals of the Vatican is William Keller. He declared that the very person of Mary is the meeting point or the stepping stone between Islam and Christianity. 
meaning, of course, Catholicism. And I quote from his exact words. I quote many times from exact words, and the paper that I am giving called The Vatican Islam and the Iraq Conflict will be on our web page with all the exact footnotes where people can see exactly where I'm quoting from. So I'm quoting now from a papal document from a cardinal of the church. Quotation, Catholics are delighted to learn that there are more verses in the Koran, 34 of them, which name the Blessed Virgin than there are in the whole New Testament. They speak of her presentation in the temple, which Christian tradition also records, her purification of the Annunciation of her virginal conception of Jesus and of the birth of her son, the Messiah. It is no surprise then that just over 30 years ago, the fathers of the Second Vatican Council in their historical document, Nostra Aetate, wrote, Upon the Muslims too the church looks with esteem. They adore one God, living and enduring, merciful and all-powerful, maker of heaven and earth, and speaker to mankind. They also honor Mary, his virgin mother, and at times they too call on her with devotion. What a propitious moment it is, therefore, that finds Christians and Muslims together on a major feast of the Virgin Mary to celebrate the mutual esteem for one another which benefits men and women in the faith of the tradition of Abraham, God's friend. It is certainly true that her very person, that in her very person there is a meeting point, or at least a stepping stone between Christianity and Islam. End of quotation. There, the meeting place is not the word of God, but it is the one that they call Mary. The very famous Fulton Sheen seems to have encapsulated the whole plan and purpose of Rome. And I quote Fulton Sheen's words, It is our firm belief that fears some entertained concerning Muslims are not to be realized, but that Muslim instead will eventually be converted to Christianity, and in a way that even some of our missionaries never suspect. It is our belief that this will happen not through the teachings, the direct teachings of Christianity, but through a summoning of Muslims to venerate the mother of God. End of quotation. Fulton Sheen's statement that Muslimism will eventually be converted to Christianity means, of course, that the Muslims will be converted to the Roman Catholic Church. This is the long-term planning that the Church of Rome consistently uses. And notice her explicit tactic to use not the word of God, but to use veneration 
of their Mary. The veneration of Mary becomes explicit in what they term the Mary of Fatima or Lady of Fatima. These are the apparitions that are claimed to have taken place in 1917 in the small town of Fatima in Portugal. I quote now from the famous Zenith Catholic News Agency, quotation, Our Lady of Fatima is really Fatima, the daughter of the Prophet Muhammad. On October the 23rd, 1995, Iranian television began running stories that the apparitions in Fatima, Portugal, in 1917 were religious phenomenon of Muslim origin. End of quotation from the Catholic uh, news agency, Zenith. Fatima, the small town uh, in Portugal, was called after a Muslim girl named Fatima who married a Count uh, Oram and then converted to Catholicism. Like many Muslim girls, she was called Fatima in honor of Muhammad's favorite daughter, called Fatima. Of his favorite daughter, daughter Fatima, Muhammad said, she has the highest place in heaven after the Virgin Mary. The Islamic scholar Alia Schleifer, in her book called Mary, the Blessed Virgin of Islam, writes that Mary is esteemed above the most revered women of the Muslim faith, including Muhammad's favorite wives, Kajai and Aisha, and his daughter Fatima. According to Schleifer, the Hadai quotes Muhammad as saying that he would take Mary as one of his wives in heaven. Quotation. The messenger of God said, God married me in paradise to Mary. The town of Fatima is therefore of utmost importance to the Roman church and to Islam. And it is used by both Islam and the Roman Church. Uh, it is used by Rome to establish unity with the Church uh, and Islam and to establish her teaching of a works righteous message of salvation. The Pope went there on a famous journey and it's still, uh, account of it is still very evident on the Vatican webpage that I'm going to quote from. The Pope went there on May the 13th in the year 2000, and he proclaimed a message for the world, which message is still on the Vatican webpage, and I quote from it now. The Pope's words, In her motherly concern, the Blessed Virgin came here to Fatima to ask men and women to stop offending God, our Lord, who is already very offended. It is a mother's sorrow that compels her to speak. The destiny of her children is at stake. For this reason, she asks the little shepherds, pray, pray much, and make sacrifices for sinners. Many souls go to hell because they have no one to pray 
and make sacrifices for them. The message that you are saved by doing sacrifices and doing penances for sin. This is quite similar to the message of Muhammad in the Quran. For example, Muhammad said, Say surely my prayer and my sacrifice and my life and my death are all for Allah. That's in Surah 6, 162. And then in Surah 5, 9, Muhammad teaches, To those who believe and do deeds of righteousness, has Allah promised forgiveness and great reward? And so great reward or promise for those who suffer and for those who do deeds of righteousness by the Church of Rome and by Muhammad. Basically, the same message. This idea of winning your salvation by good deeds is very attractive to natural man. But it is light years away from the gospel of grace and who our God is. The scripture says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but by his mercy he saved us. Worship of God through alms deeds and fasting is the basic message of Islam, and it is also the basic message of Rome. And Rome has officially summarized this and put it into print in her official teaching. And I quote from Vatican II, quotation, The church also has high regard for the Muslims. They worship God, who is one living and subsistent, merciful and almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, who has also spoken to men. They strive to submit themselves without reserve to the hidden decrees of God, just as Abraham submitted himself to God's plan, whose faith Muslims eagerly link to their own. Although not acknowledging him as God, they venerate Jesus as a prophet. His virgin mother they also honor and even at times devoutly invoke. Further, they await the day of judgment and the reward of God following the resurrection of the dead. For this reason, they highly esteem an upright life and worship God, especially by way of prayer, alms deeds, and fasting. End of Rome's summary of what the Muslims believe and what they believe. Now, you may think that quite horrendous, but in actual fact, it got worse. In 1994, Rome went so far as to declare that the Roman Catholic Church has the same God and the same faith of Abraham as do the Muslims. And I want to read their exact words from the New Catechism. Quotation, and the quotation begins with a heading, the church's relationship with the Muslims. The plan of salvation also includes those who acknowledge the Creator, in the first place among whom are the Muslims. These profess the whole the faith of Abraham, and together with us, they adore the one, 
merciful God, man's judge on the last day. End of quote. The Catholic Church officially saying that they have the same God and the same faith as do the Muslims. It is not simply that the Catholics uphold Islam and are teaching, but they in practice fraternize and seek for unity with the uh, religion of Islam. And I quote now from the latest edition, the Catholic Almanac 2003, quotation. John Paul II has met with Muslim leaders and delegations both in Rome and during his trips abroad. He has addressed large gatherings of Muslims in Morocco, Indonesia, Malai, and elsewhere. On February the 22nd, 2000, John the 22nd traveled to Egypt as part of his Jubilee year pilgrimage and was received by the Grand Sheikh Mohammed Sayed Tantawi at the Al-Hazar University, the most influential Islamic university in the world. The Pontifical Council for Interreligious Dialogue holds formal dialogues with several Islamic organization, organizations on a regular basis. In the U.S., the Bishop's Committee for Ecumenical Interreligious Affairs holds consultations on relations with Muslims and several dialogues with Muslims related to international issues. Dialogue and participation of Catholics and Muslims from several U.S. cities was initiated in October 1991. These continual on a regional basis. In 1998, an annual dialogue in the mid-Atlantic region with the co a sponsorship of the Islamic uh, Circle of North America in Queens, New York, held its first meeting. In 1999, the West Coast Dialogue of Muslims and Catholics began meeting in Orange, California, with co-sponsorship of several Islamic councils. And that's just a, a slight piece from a large section showing off the continued dialogue that was going on between the Muslims and the uh, Catholics. It is logical, therefore, in the present crises that the Pope should pray to their Mary. And I quote now from what he said as he looked to pray for the victims of the present conflict. He said, let us invoke with grief-stricken and confidence insistence her intercession for peace in Iraq and for every other region of the world. The acceptance of Islam and opposition to the USA and Britain has been uh, predominant in many of the Catholic uh, magazines and right across the uh, internet on web pages and I would like to quote from them and I'd like to show you the Catholic World Report in which their opposition to the world is right on the front cover that they oppose the war and that 
the Vatican stands against the USA. It shows the Vatican and it shows the White House and it shows them in opposition to each other. And this Catholic magazine is depicting what we find also in the, on the internet, that the, the same Catholic institutions that woo Islam join together in defaming the USA and Britain. And their leading protagonists have been very vocal and have been carried on the leading Catholic um, web pages and their agencies. For example, that is the uh, Fides um, Catholic um, Association for News and the uh, Catholic Daily Organization. Of these protagonists, uh, Patriarch Raphael Bidewid has been one of the most prominent and also the Catholic Deputy Prime Minister of Iraq, or he had been Deputy Prime Minister because uh, Iraq has ceased to be ruled by Tariq, or just by Tariq Aziz as a deputy and by Saddam Hussein as leader. But the former, should I say, Deputy Prime Minister of Iraq, Tariq Aziz, they have been highly prominent. This patriarch, Raphael, Bedouid, the spiritual leader of about 60,000 Iraqi Chaldean Catholics, gives his account of his meeting with the Pope in 1999. It was still up to a few days ago carried on these Catholic agencies. Maybe they have taken it down now, uh, but it was still up to a few days ago kept. And of course, you'll still be able to find it on the internet. This is what is said on the Daily Catholic Organization webpage, or had been said up to a few days ago. Quotation, on May the 14th, I was received by the Pope together with a delegation composed of Shiite Imam of the Qadum Mosque and of the Sunni President of the Council of Administration of the Iraqi Islamic Bank. There was also a representative of the Iraqi Ministry of Religion. At the end of the audience, the Pope bowed to the Muslim holy book of Koran presented to him by the delegation, and he kissed it as a sign of respect. The photograph of that gesture has been shown repeatedly on Iraqi television, and it demonstrates that the Pope is not only aware of the suffering of the Iraqi people, he also has great respect for Islam. End of quotation from the Daily Catholic Organization webpage. The same patriarch uh, through the Fides News Service and again through the Catholic Organization News uh, um, page gives a highly prejudiced view of the intentions of the USA and Britain in Iraq. Quotation, the US and Great Britain show that they know nothing about the people they are attacking. They undervalue the tenacity of the Iraqi people who has resisted for nine years. 
They think that with bombs, they can weaken the power of the leaders, whereas in fact, they only increase the suffering of the people. The people prefer to support their leaders rather than to end up under the slavery of America. This abominable lie has today been shown to be absolutely stupid. As the very people of Iraq in Baghdad have come out into the streets to welcome the U.S. troops, and they have torn down with their shoes the pictures of Saddam Hussein and the massive statue in Baghdad. And so these horrendous lies that we have found on Catholic web pages from such as Bidawit have been shown to be what they are, detractions and lies. An Iraqi suicide bomber killed four U.S. soldiers on March the 29th. The following day, Iraq's Deputy Prime Minister Tariq Aziz said, quotation, Iraq has been bringing in would-be suicide bombers from other parts of the Muslim world, world for further attacks on the U.S.-led invasion force. And then he said, when you fight an invader by whatever means available to you, you are not a terrorist, you are a hero. From outside or from inside Iraq, these people are heroes. They are freedom fighters against invaders, against colonialists, against imperialists. End of quotation. This is the same Terry Aziz who met with the Pope on February the 14th. Concerning that meeting, he said, quotation, first of all, we are very keen about the importance of the moral influence of the Holy Father when he asks for peace and he refuses war. This is very important for international public opinion. End of quotation. This same magazine, the uh, Catholic Report, World Report, calls Tariq Aziz a trained Jesuit. He is a trained Jesuit, and that appears because he can talk about the Holy Father and his peace movement, and he can talk about suicide bombers out of the same mouth. Typical Jesuit behavior. And so we have the protagonists that have been defaming the United States of America and their effort to liberate the people in Iraq. The meeting point is, as I've already documented, the so-called Mary of Catholicism. Now, it is amazing the mystical charm that this Mary has, not just for Islam and Catholicism, but for the world in general. Have you seen how many times Mary appears on the covers of news magazine uh, and such as... Um, Time, Life, U.S. News and World Report. She's constantly appearing, and she is a mystic force for the world, and she has been held up then in this way by the world, and she is the meeting point between Rome and Islam. 
And she is not simply in the teachings of Rome, but she is dramatized in visions right across the world and here in the United States, in uh, Denver, in uh, Conyers, Atlanta, and, and in many other places. So we're talking about a Mary dramatized in visions that happen daily, and he, even here in the United States. In 1984, the present Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, head of the Roman Catholic Congregation of Doctrine of Faith, and he's considered third in command in the Vatican. He said, quotation, one of the signs of our times is the announcement of Marian apparitions that are multiplying over the world. He made this comment on the many reported apparitions that have been taking place in a variety of countries, cultures, and political systems. Over the last half century, we've seen many apparitions of Mary and even of Jesus. Uh, and these have, some of them, received official approval by the Roman Church. Now, because of these apparitions, and the drama that they have about this Mary, and how enticing is this Mary to the world and to Islam, and for this external unity that Rome is trying to create with Islam and, of course, with other religious systems in the world, it is necessary to see the official teaching of the Roman Church regarding this Mary. She is said to be, uh, in Vatican II documents, the mother to us in the order of grace. I'm reading from Vatican II documents, and the official heading was, she is our mother in the order of grace. The exact words are, her role in relation to the church and to all humanity goes still further. In a wholly singular way, she cooperated by her obedience, faith, and hope, and burning charity in the Savior's work of restoring supernatural life to souls. For this reason, she is a mother to us in the order of grace. Mary ends up as being a working together source with God in the salvation of mankind. And because of this role, she is also to receive worship that is her due, special adoration. And this is declared also in the official teachings of Rome. Quoting now from the New Catechism, by asking Mary to pray for us, we acknowledge ourselves to be poor sinners, and we address ourselves to the Mother of Mercy, the All-Holy One. Now in the scripture, when you know your Bible, you know that there is one All-Holy One. It says in Isaiah, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord. In Revelation, there is none holy as the Lord. There is none like thee. God alone is holy. This is the attribute that covers all of his attributes. His truth is holy. His justice is holy. His love is holy. God is holy. He is distinguished by his holiness. There is none holy as the Lord. There is none like unto thee, 
the scripture says. And that's the way it is. There is none like unto God. He alone is the All-Holy One. And for a church officially to declare that a creature is the All-Holy One is consummate blasphemy. Speaking against the All-Holy God, the Thrice-Holy God. But this is Romanism. And this is their meeting point with Islam. And this is what we face in the present day. It's not simply that we're facing the end of the war, but we're facing Rome's unity with this massive system, one billion people in each. And they're trying to unite these two systems together. And they're doing it through one they call the All-Holy One, the mother to us in the order of grace. Now I think we must see just for a short time here just what Islam says, this religion that binds and enslaves people, to see what it says about the Trinity, about Christ, so that we see what Rome was applauding. We want to see exact quotations from the Koran. The Koran rejects the Trinity. They say in Surah 573, certainly they disbelieve who say, surely Allah is the third person of the three. There is no God but one God. And if they desist not from what they say, a painful chastisement shall befall those among them who disbelieve. And then the Bible proclaims that in him we have redemption through his blood. It shows that we are saved by the death of Christ Jesus. And Islam rejects vehemently and passionately the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. The Quran says, quotation from Surah 5, 157. And they're saying, surely we have killed the Messiah, Aisha, son of Mariam, the apostle of Allah. They did not kill him nor did they crucify him. They have no knowledge respecting it, but only follow a conjecture. They killed him not for sure. End of quotation. And in the scripture we have Christ Jesus as divine, the brightness of the Father's glory, the express image of his person. In the Koran he is merely an apostle of Allah. Quotation, Surah 4, 171. O followers of the book, do not exceed the limits in your religion and do not speak lies against Allah, but speak the truth. The Messiah, Isa, son of Mariam, is only an apostle of Allah. And so they have debased Christ Jesus and reduced him to being solely an apostle or disciple 
So we have the horrendous religion of Islam. And Christ Jesus said before Abraham was, I am, the Father and I are one. I say to you, therefore, you will die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he. The religion that the Pope upholds, the religion of Islam, denies Christ Jesus in his divinity. And they declare that their purpose is fighting war, punishment, crucifixion, and amputation. And I want to quote from the Surah 2, 191. And kill them and find them and drive them out from whence they drove you. Persecution is severer than slaughter. Do not fight with them at the sacred mosque until they fight with you in it. But if they do fight you, then slay them. There is no recompense for the unbelievers. And then Surah 2, 193, and fight them until there is no persecution. And religion should be only for Allah. But if they desist, there should be no hostility except against the oppressors. And then they say in Surah 5, uh, 33, the punishment of those who wage war against Allah and his people and strive to make mischief in the land is only this, that they should be murdered or crucified and their hands and their feet should be cut off on opposite sides or they should be imprisoned. This shall be a disgrace for them in this world and in the hereafter they shall have grievous chastisement. And Surah 8.39 They who believe in, they who believe fight in the way of Allah. This is totally different than the word of the Lord and the word of the sacred scriptures in the Bible. Christ Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward will be great, and you shall be children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father in heaven is merciful. How totally different is the religion of Christ Jesus, his word, and the atrocities that are depicted in the Quran. Now, we have to say that the Roman Church that now espouses Islam did not always do so. She has shown herself again as true history to be a chameleon, one who can change completely her colors. And this is a typical example of Rome having a complete turnaround in face. The Catholic Church that now supports and wants to have an external unity with Islam is the same Catholic Church 
that for 200 years waged war against Islam and for 600 years condemned her. In the year 1095, Pope Urban II called for a war of the cross, a crusade, to retake the lands from the infidel Muslim Turks. And we have recorded his exact words that I read to you. All who die by the way, whether by land or sea, in a battle against the pagans, shall have an immediate remission of sins. This I grant them through the power of God with which I am invested. You'll see exactly where I get that quote in the footnotes as you get this uh, article on our web page. But this is an example of Urban II calling the Islam pagans as he set out in war against them. We had from Urban II a whole list of popes through the 12th and 13th centuries, ending up with the horrendous Innocent III in condemning the Muslims and leading crusades and wars against them. Now, if what the present pope says is true, that they have the same faith of Islam as does the Church of Rome and the same God, well, then all this line of popes, including the notorious Innocent III, are damnable heretics. That's how the Roman Church is in her decrees. And it is she who says that our teachings are irreformable, that's an exact quotation, and that they say that their popes are infallible. And so we have the turnabout that the Church of Rome has made. This is the end of side one. Call to you and to the Church of God is to see just as what is before us. We have the Pope as the head of a totalitarian regime. He has his bank, he has his ambassadors, he has his court, he has ambassadors in all nations, including the Muslim nations. He has his detective force, he has his secret service. He is like any secular leader, only more. He has more territory than any other secular leader including here in the United States. He has more physical domain. And with this physical domain, he has spiritual power that reaches across planet Earth. We have here a system that is well-organized and that has totalitarian ruler at his head. And he has declared officially that the Holy See is judged by no one and he is declared officially, quotation, that it is solely the right of the Roman pontiff to judge those who hold highest civil office in a state. He holds to himself the right to civilly judge the leaders of the world. 
He is the one who calls himself the most holy, most holy, I beg your pardon, is one of his official titles, and the most holy pontiff. He fits the exact description that the Apostle Paul said, who exalts himself sitting in the temple of God, calling himself God, calling himself most holy. We have here the system of Rome depicted before us. And we have evangelicals in our day saying that this system is our brothers and sisters in Christ. Famous men and women and famous leaders in the present day world. And if these leaders persist, they are denying the biblical gospel and the biblical history that we have inherited. And they are divorcing themselves from great men of history such as Wycliffe, Huss, Luther, Tyndale, Calvin, Cranmer, Latimer, Ridley, Bradcoff, White, Bunyan, Newton, Edwards, Wycliffe, Wesley, Spurgeon, Weil, and such as Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. They are divorcing themselves from the great leaders that we have had in history. They are showing their ignorance, both of history and of Scripture. And they are putting themselves into the claws of the one who desires to draw all to her bosom. This Pope, who stands not only admiring and upholding Islam, but also the Hindus, the Zoroastrians, and Native Americans, the Shamas, the Cultists, and the Animists, as he did at Sisi, and he has done officially, and he's declared, we will stand side by side asking God to give us peace. This is the same Pope who has in the Philippines and in Mexico condemned evangelical Protestant faith. This is the one whom J.I. Packer, Chuck Colson, Bill Bright, Mark Knoll, Pat Robertson, Os Guinness, Richard Land, Timothy George, and T.M. Moore have endorsed in Evangelicals and Catholics Together, 1994 and 1997. We have reached a real turning point in history. It is my appeal to you that you make a stand. For those listening and those watching on television, I would ask that you make your voice heard. There are a multitude of talk radios here in the United States and across the world. Would to God that you as a believer and others as believers would get up and call these radio stations and speak the things that we're speaking about tonight, about the horrors that are before us and how horrendous is Islam and the Roman Church that is embracing her. And that you would give the true gospel. There's opportunity not only on radio, but also on television. And there's opportunity to the BBC that is now online at bbc.com worldwide and talking point every day and especially on Saturdays where you can fax, email, or 
uh, make a free phone call to the BBC and they will make your voice heard across the world. We have talking point and would to God that we as Bible believers would make the word of the Lord heard as we face this day. Today has been a historical day, the 9th of April, 2003, when the U.S. troops and the coalition troops have liberated Iraq. But now we will expect that the same Rome will come in to try and still float her agenda. And it is for us as Bible believers to show what her agenda is and to show who she is. The word of God resounds. We are seen, and Rome is seen for what she truly is. We know her by her throne on which she sits. We know her by our colors, scarlet and purple. We know her by her name blazoned on her forehead, Babylon mystery religion. We know her by her immoralities, and it's not just at the present day, but the immoralities of the priesthood throughout history and of our courts and of our delegates, of our ambassadors. We know her by our foul deeds and by our political lovers, not only at the present day, but throughout history. Her name is engraven on the pages of Scripture. Babylon mystery religion. There is none other that fits the graphic picture of who she is, down to the cup that she holds and the colors that she has. We know her in the pages of Scripture, and it is for us to proclaim who she really is, the whore of Babylon, the Antichrist system, for us to proclaim who she is. We have evangelicals joining together with her and we have a massive system that has all the theatrics of Hollywood and all the grandeur of Madison Avenue to give their program. But greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And it is for us at this moment of our history to make a stand for biblical truth and so that the word of God reverberates not simply on the pages of Scripture, but in the men and women who live at this critical moment of history. The scripture says, Come out of her, my people, and be not partakers of her sins, and receive not of her plagues. And we say that to precious Catholics who are enslaved within her, just as the Muslims are enslaved inside Islam. Come out from her, my people, so that you do not share her pleas. For the word of God also warns, quotation, Hearken unto me, therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Do not incline your heart unto her ways. Do not go astray in her paths. For she has cast down many wounded, Yea, many strong men have been slain by her. 
Her house is a way to hell, going down into the chambers of death. Nations have submitted themselves to the pontiff Christ and to his stratagems. But the scripture says that we're to believe on the only begotten Son of God and to have no fellowship with the evil works, the unfruitful works of darkness, rather to expose them. We have the judgment of this system already written, and that is the great word of the Lord, and the great consolation of the word, that her judgment is already written on the pages of Scripture. Quotation, And a mighty angel took up a stone and a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, This is the end or the final demise of the evil one. We have her who is exalted and high, brought low in God's word in his depiction of who he is. In the word of God, we have also the final judgment. We're told in Revelation chapter um, uh, 15 and 4, we're told that he will bring all nations to himself and that he will judge the nations. We're told that he will do this and that it will be his work and that he will show forth who he is and that this will be his clear depiction of what is to come. We have to see what the Lord's word says and just how he brings all unto himself. The Lord has declared that he will judge. He will judge the nations and his judgment will come upon this system. It is interesting that as he judges her, we're told in the word that all nations will come to him. And this is a theme in scripture, that the judgment of the great apostasy is also to be the bringing in of the nations. And so we are not to be despondent. We're not to think that God has ceased to be sovereign We're not to think that God is somehow anxious about what is happening. Our God continues to be sovereign and he has given his word that all nations will come and worship before him and that he will bring in fearful judgments on the earth. And so we will expect that as he judges Rome and her daughters, that there will be a revival in which he will bring nations unto himself. We will know the Lord our God in his deeds. And we will see what Christ Jesus himself said at the end, the tares would be gathered out and burnt up and all would be with him in his kingdom. And it is to that Lord that we praise and exult as we finish tonight the words of scripture who being the 
image of his glory, the express image of his glory, the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty and high, and to him be praise, glory, worship, and honor, now and forevermore. Amen. Praise God.